Save us, we've only now signed the contract, said Gil. It's taken forever to draw up. Too many lawyers at it, said Andy knowingly. Gil laughed. And how's Madame your mother, and Lady Kate? Ah, my mother's well, thank you. And Kate's as well as can be expected. I'd forgotten you knew her, said Gil. Oh, I mind her well. I'd bring our con out to Thinacre to visit you and your brothers, and she'd be hurtling about on her two sticks. A fechty lass, and a bonny wee face. Does she still use the two sticks? It's a pair of oxtapoles now, said Gill, more grimly than he intended. So St. Mungo never came across last night, then? Does the whole town know? I would say that, aye. Andy paused by the yet, which opened on to Master Morrison's yard, where the mason waited impatiently. It's one thing, he said, peering up at Gill. A young lady joining the line of common pilgrims by day to ask for healing. Nobody'd pay her any mind. But when the chapter agrees to let her sleep on St. Mungo's tomb all her alone in that great kirk by night, as to be expected that the town would take an interest. She wasn't alone, said Gill. Her woman was there, and I kept watch, and we hoped St. Mungo would be present, but he never showed his favour. Andy threw him a sympathetic look, but leaned on one leaf of the great yet without further comment. Come in, masters, come in. You can wait in the house, and I'll find my master. The yard was quite different from the tidy courtyard of the mason's house. Behind the yet was a long open space, with a shabby, timber-framed domestic range to the left, several small wooden buildings on the right, and a great barn-like structure at the far end from which there was shouting and a desultory hammering. Barrels and boxes were stacked in lots and clusters, identified by marks in paint or chalk or branded into the wood. Several racks of pottery sagged alarmingly just beside the yet. Heaps of broken crocks lay here and there, and everywhere straw blew about or lay in partly twisted ropes and pads. A cart-run of broken flagstones led the length of the yard, but the rest of the area was well-trampled earth. Andy closed the yet and led them, picking his way to the stone steps, before the door midway along the house range. "'In here, masters,' he said hospitably, showing them into a chill, gloomy hall— there's plenty seats. You can wait in comfort. As his feet sounded on the steps outside, the mason broke an uncharacteristic silence. I had not realised things were so bad, he said, staring round the cold chamber. Nor I, till I came here to discuss this venture, admitted Gill. I think trade is sound enough. He lacks the will to make things neat. Or oh, clean, said Mestre Pierre with disapproval. That must be a week's ashes in the fireplace, and there is food caked on this bench. It looks bad. The business must suffer. How long since his wife died? Two years, maybe. So long. More time than he... My mammy's deed, said a very small voice, apparently from under their feet. The two men stared at one another, and Mestre Pierre looked about wildly. She did two years since at Patchy tide, continued the voice. Gill stepped round the high-backed settle, which faced the empty, cheerless fireplace, and bent to peer under its seat. In the murky space he made out two squatting children, either of a size to match the voice, with an array of broken crocks and a quantity of rags between them. They stared back at him, faces pale in the shadows. "'It's Augie's bairns,' he said. "'Bairns?' the mason came to look. "'Well, well, what are you called, my poppets?' "'Aren't your poppets?' said one in the same little voice. "'We're my dad's poppets.' "'Then what are Master Morrison's poppets called?' "'Not telling.' Gill straightened up and put a hand over his mouth to hide a grin, just as hasty feet sounded at the house door, and Morrison himself hurried into the room. In appearance, Gill had always thought, Ogie Morrison was a middling man, 
of medium height, middling thin, with middling brownish hair, his face and hands neither long nor round, but in between. He had a smile of rare charm, but it was seldom seen these days, so that only his very blue eyes were at all remarkable, unless books were mentioned. Then the whole man took fire. The blue eyes sparkled, the sparse hair stood on end as he discussed authors and titles, dealers and printers, copy houses and sources of information, until most of his colleagues on the Burr Council found urgent business elsewhere. Good day, Master Mason, good day, Gil. He flourished his round felt hat at them. I'm sorry not to have been here to greet you, I was called to something in the barn. No trouble, said Master Pierre, standing up. We have been attempting to make the acquaintance of your bairns here. The bairns? Are they here? Master Morrison came round the settle to peer under it. Come out of that, the pair of you. Where's Mal? Why are you not with her? Reluctantly, the children emerged from the shadows and were revealed...